I'm really glad you played the wrong song tonight. How many people noticed you played the wrong song? Everybody, right? Was trying to sing Heavenly Sunlight. I've never been sorry. Was that it? That's what you played. That's what it sounded like. Anyway, we all recognize that it's the wrong song. So here we go. I'm going to play a song for you. Ready? My Tell me if you can guess this song. sit there and beat on the strings. You give a kid a drum set, they're going to drive their parents absolutely crazy. What does it mean if I just sit down at a piano and beat on keys? It means absolutely nothing. What does it mean if someone stands up and speaks in tongues and nobody interprets? It, it helps themselves. It, it edifies themselves. It, it speaks to God, but it does not speak to people. He said, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For if a trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Or if things are without life, give sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, unless you know the tune, unless you can hum along with it, unless you know the song, unless it means something, what does it profit? Today I want to ask you a question. What is it we desire? How does it profit us? How does it profit our work? How does it profit our God? How does it profit anything at all? I had a guy say one time he was starting in my landscape business. He said he didn't know any other way to start. He was in North Louisiana. He said, I just went out and started mowing people's yards. He said, they come out and ask me what I was doing. I said, I'm cutting your grass. They said, we're not paying you. He said, I don't want you to pay me. I want you to tell everybody that I'm the one who cut your grass. Multi-million dollar businessman today. Started cutting grass for free. He said, I want you to tell everybody what I've done. I want you to show them. He did a good job. Everybody said, well, hey, this man cut my grass. This man landscaped my yard. And that's how his business grew. He desired to grow his business. And he went out and he, he fought for that. He, he hungered after that. He worked toward that. So what is it that we absolutely 100% desire today? We all desire something. Some of us are going to go to work tomorrow. Do we go to work for free? We desire a paycheck, right? At the end of the week, we desire a paycheck. Except Brother Ed. He's probably going to come over here and work at the church. He's working for nothing tomorrow. He said he'll lay his treasures up in heaven. Whenever we go to work, we're, we're desiring a paycheck. That's, that's what we go for. That, that's, that's why we show up. Unless you're a teacher, then we go to change lives. That's what they told us in college. So, so whenever it comes to the work of God, what, what is it that we desire? Paul talks about spiritual gifts all through First and Second Corinthians and in Ephesians. He talks about desiring spiritual gifts. He talks about the difference in those spiritual gifts. So, so what is it that you desire spiritually? We had some bread pudding left over from our FFA banquet on Friday night. Big aluminum pan, bread pudding. Oh, oops. Had some brisket that accidentally got left over on a little bitty to-go plate, just enough for one sandwich. You know what I desired for lunch yesterday? I desired bread, pudding, and brisket. So you know what I did? I went and I opened the refrigerator, I got out the brisket, I laid it on a plate, threw it in the microwave, melted a styrofoam plate, took it out of the microwave, laid it on a real plate, put it back in the microwave, heated it up again, I went and found the bread, I went and found the mayonnaise, and I made me a brisket sandwich. I took the, the bread pudding out of the 
out of the refrigerator. I laid it in a bowl. I took, stuck it in the refrigerator. I took some uh, white chocolate chips and sprinkled on top of it just for a little extra sweetness. I heated it up in the microwave, and then I had dinner. That's what I had for lunch yesterday. I desired it. I went and got it. Went and worked for it. Is it enough to say, God, use me and stop? Is it enough to say, God, lead my life and stop? Is it enough to pray that God shows us his will in our life and then stop? I know I've told you before, Red Fern Grove, where the Red Fern Grove is one of my favorite movies and a man tells his boy in that movie. He says, sometimes you've got to meet God halfway. I believe that's true all the time. I believe if we just pray to God, He hears us. But if we show no effort, if we show no inclination, if we show no, no desire to help ourselves, if we show no desire at all and all we do is, is pray, I believe God hears us. But I believe that He sees there's no desire there and He don't always grant that. So if you tell me that you want to eat bread pudding and there's bread pudding in that refrigerator and you just sit here and squall on the bench because you want some bread pudding and there's bread pudding in the refrigerator, what does it tell me that you never get up and go get it? That you really don't want it, right? That you really don't desire it. Because if you desire it, you're going to work for it. If you're going to desire it, you're going to fight for it. If you desire it, you're going to eat, sleep, and breathe bread pudding. So spiritually, what do we desire? We had revival this past week. What is it we desired out of revival? Did we start thinking about revival as we got our clothes on at 6 o'clock on revival nights? Did we start thinking about the revival during communion service the Wednesday night before? Or did we start begging God to cleanse our lives and prepare us for revival? Did we ask God to forgive us for the way we failed Him so that we wouldn't stand in the way of revival? Did we invite others? Did we prepare our own hearts? Or did we tell the kids, come on kids, we got to go to church. I hate hearing people say that. Absolutely hate hearing people say, we got to go to church. Because if we desire to be closer to God spiritually, it's not a, I got to go to church. It's a, I get to go to church. It's a, I got to go to church because that's my heart's desire. Not a, I got to go to church or I'm going to get a whooping. One of the hardest things for me to realize, and I've told you all before, whenever I got out of high school and got to college, I went six months without going to church. I'd plug my headphones in on my phone. I'd dial in the Enon Baptist Church. They had to dial in service at the time. I'd put my phone in my pocket and I'd play basketball and I'd pretend to be at church. Because I had very little desire. I wanted to still, you know, go to church because that's what I've been taught all my life. But nobody was there to tell me, get up and go to church. And whenever I found myself in a very bad place spiritually, I realized that, that my desire to walk with God, that my desire to be used of Him, that my desire to be anything at all spiritually was not there. And in order to come back from something like that, it takes absolute desire. It takes commitment. Paul said, follow after charity. Desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. I believe that the wording of this is, is 100% intentional. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. The whole thing, talking about charity, talking about love, talking about the, the goodness of one's heart. And Paul starts off chapter 14, he says, follow after 
charity. The first step. Desire spiritual gifts. Second step. And it all renders down that you may prophesy. I believe we can use all three of those in the same place. That we can follow after charity, that we can desire spiritual gifts, and that those can lead to us teaching, preaching, being a light, showing others to Christ, trying to be an influencer in our time for Jesus. This morning, the argument was made during Sunday school of whether or not we were in the majority or whether or not we were in the minority. And I was just sitting back there grinning because I knew I was going to preach on it tonight. Are God's people in the majority or the minority? All right, let's take a poll. Nobody's going to answer me. Raise your hand if you think that God's people are in the majority. Raise your hand. Oh, one. Okay, good. Right answer. Raise your hand if you think God's people is in the minority. Golly, okay, five or six. Here we go. Now, putting it in terms of basketball so we can all understand it. One plus God equals the majority, right? You've heard it all your life. One plus God equals the majority. We have two teams. We have God's team. We have Satan's team. Okay? God's team is going to win. But Satan's team has more people on it. Does that make sense to everybody? God's team is going to win. But the world outnumber us four to one. Five to one. Six to one. Keep going. We're going to be ten to one. You know less than 50% of American families today attend church more than twice a year. More than twice a year. Because you have Christmas and Easter. Most people catch a Christmas and an Easter. Less than half attend more than twice a year. What is it that this world is desiring? You can boil it down to three things and Jesus was tempted on all three things. First John teaches against all three things. There's three things the world desires more than anything else. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. Pride of life. That's the three things that the world desires. As a Christian, what is it that we desire? Do we desire to win the world? Or do we desire to win the world? Do we desire those same three things or do we desire to rescue people from those same three things? Do we desire spiritual gifts? Do we desire to teach, to preach? Do we desire to be a light? Do we desire to be a witness? Do we desire those opportunities? If we do, God will give them to us, but we have to work toward them. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me. And ye shall find me. When you search with your whole heart. I'm really glad he threw that area in at the end. And I believe Jesus was alluding to this verse, to this verse whenever he preached it in the Sermon on the Mount. But Jeremiah said, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. When we desire with our whole heart, when we work for it really hard. As a baseball player, I wanted to hit the baseball every time I got up to bat. And coach would get up there and say, you got to try real hard now. You got to concentrate real hard. Now, those of you who play baseball, you know if you think that ball's done past you, right? Less than one second from the pitcher's hand to the catcher's mid. There's no time to think. There's no time to try real hard. The trying real hard comes before you step up to the plate. Because if I give one up, brother, thinking how long has it been since you played baseball? 
Long time. So if I gave Brother Dean a bat, and I stood in the other corner of the church, and he stood over here, and I swung a ball toward him, you think you did? Come on, man. Probably couldn't get it all the way to you. If you give somebody a bat that, that, that hadn't played baseball in a long time, and you tell them, hey, try real hard and you'll get it. Just because you try real hard don't mean you're going to get it. Just because you try real hard that one time, once you're given the bat, that don't mean you're going to get it. you got to try real hard before. If I give you a month to practice, you'll be able to hit it, right? My daddy always said anybody can stick a bat out there and let the ball hit it. If I give you a month to think about it, a month to work toward it, a month to, to practice really, really hard. Y'all heard me play the guitar up here a couple of months ago, right? Y'all know how long I worked on it? It took me six months to learn how to play that song. I went to pick up a guitar the other day and I done forgot how to play it. You know why? I didn't practice. I didn't practice. If you work really, really, really hard at something, it has to be over a period of time. It can't be all of a sudden. If we want to be closer to God, if we want a greater knowledge of His Word, it can't be, okay, God, I'm just to sit now. I'm going to study. I'm going to work real hard. Sit here and read and read and the hour get up. Okay. Whew. I think I have an in-depth knowledge of God's Word now. That is not how it works. We can't all of a sudden decide we're going to be closer to God's Word. We can't all of a sudden decide that we're going to be a Bible scholar. Start reading and expect to be there that night. It don't work that way. I was taking chemistry three in college. Oh, it was awful. It was terrible. I would sleep with my textbook under my pillow every night because the kid told me how osmosis worked. I really did sleep with a chemistry book under my pillow. Mainly it was because I fell asleep with my chemistry book in my bed all the time. It was terrible. And you know what we was always bad about? It was always bad about waiting to the night before the test. To decide to learn six weeks worth of material the night before the test. So me and Romeo were sitting in that dairy barn, sitting on the couch, shouting chemistry at each other. We like not to have made it through chemistry. Because we didn't try real hard until it was too late. Until we were too far gone. Luke chapter 10, if you still have your Bibles open. Luke chapter number 10. There will come a point in time. We're trying hard. Won't get you there no more. We're desiring it so much. Won't get you there no more. There comes a time whenever we got to... What's the man say? You got to reap what you sow. Verse number 38. And it came to pass when they entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary said at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was comforted about with much serving came to him. Said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Be it her therefore that she should help me. Jesus, not only am I going to sit at your feet and learn from you, I want you to tell my sister to stop and come help me. Don't that sound like us? Heard a guy say one time, he said, it's, it's scary how much religion is getting in the way of Christianity. And I thought that was the absolute truth. It is amazing how much religion is getting in the way of following Jesus. It is amazing how much religion is getting in the way of the God's simple plan of salvation. Martha was trying really hard to please Jesus. Martha was trying really hard to be prepared for Jesus. Martha was trying really hard to do everything that she could for Jesus, and that's not what Jesus wanted. 
she was cumbered about with much serving. She was trying to serve him. She was trying to please him. She was trying to get it all done. She had a lot of desire. And she did not see the opportunity set in front of her. She did not see the Savior sitting in front of her. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha decided she wanted to serve Jesus, and she tried real hard. And she missed it. You know, so many people today, Jesus said there's going to be people at the judgment. He said they're going to come up and they're going to say, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? He's going to say, depart from me. Lord, didn't we do many mighty things in your name? Depart from me. We can desire to be Bible scholars. Y'all seen the movie God is Not Dead? The first one, the original. Well, the, the man in it, the, the atheist. Y'all heard how much scripture he quoted? He said something that stuck with me. And I've, I've only met three or four atheists in my life. And, and all three of them 100% perfectly accurate with what this man said. This man said the most devout atheists you'll find were once Christians. And know the Bible better than most preachers. And I have found that to be true. I found that to be absolutely true. <clears throat> So many people decide that they want to be Christians and they miss Jesus. They get baptized. <coughs> they join the church. They work in the coffee shop. They get, they get sidetracked with all of the mission work and all of the singing and praising and they miss Christ. I'm not saying that all those things are bad. The church where me and Emily went to school, they have a coffee shop called The Depot, and that is that supports their missions. They send mission teams all over the world, and I think it's an awesome thing. But Jesus comes first. It begins with Him. Everything else is great. Singing and praising and worship is great, but Jesus is first. Brother Don stood up the first time that I, I've ever heard him preach in person. And has anybody else ever heard him preach in person before he came here? A couple of you? I'd never heard him preach before in person. He stood up here Sunday morning. What's the first thing he said? Jesus. Jesus. I love that. I love that. He wanted the first thing heard to be Jesus because that's what it's all about. I love that. Because it is. That's what it's all about. If we're going to desire to serve Him, we must first find Him. If we're going to desire these spiritual gifts, if we're... If we're going to desire to, to prophesy, to preach, to teach, we must first seek Him. If we're going to serve the way Martha was trying to, we have to find Jesus first. And my prayer to God is that each and every one of us can seek Him with our whole heart. And we can seek for His will in our life because Lord knows He's got one. God can... God can do amazing things in our life, but we have to let Him. God can do awesome things, but we have to let Him. I play a game with my kids at school, and they don't particularly like it, but at the end of every nine weeks, I put in an extra grade. And throughout the week, I have kind of harped on one phrase or one, one singular 
I call them sayings. And if they remember it, then I'll let them tell me a number. I'll sit down at my computer, they'll all write down their phrase, and if they get them right, I'll give them their paper back. And I look at them and I say, give me a number between 1 and 100. In the first nine weeks, we had a problem. Because the first kid would give me 100. The second kid would give me 5, because that's their lucky number. So here's what I did. I go to the computer, I punch in 100, enter. The next one, I punch in 5, enter. Guess what just happened? Some of you know First kid got 8 plus 100. Second kid got a 5 out of 100. They didn't know the rules. They didn't understand the game. How are you supposed to make an educated decision if we don't understand the game? With God, we can understand it. It starts and it ends with Jesus. It starts and ends with following His, his commands. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, He said, you must. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. God said, have no other gods before me. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. John said, for he must increase, and I must decrease. It's about Jesus, and I pray that we can all desire to serve Him more. That we can desire His will in our life more. That we can desire more opportunities to teach, to preach, to love. And we can desire those spiritual gifts. And that we can meet God halfway so that He'll grant our request. We'll ask for verse of invitation for